0: Good morning. I am glad to be here today and I'm glad you're here. It's a time of year we begin to have a little change in the seasons and I don't know about you but I like that change in the seasons. My wife would prefer not to have it but uh, I like the cool weather and the change and getting nippy enough to need a jacket or something. That's really nice. Before I start the lesson this morning, the elders have asked me to give you just a little update on what we're going to be doing the fifth Sunday. On the fifth Sunday, that's not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, if I've got my dates right. Um, there is an opportunity in Nigeria right now. As those of you who are familiar with me, you know I go over there pretty often. I'm going again in uh February. Yancey's been over there, I think he has another trip planned in 25 and we have an opportunity to purchase a piece of property and do some really good work over there and right now our exchange rates are really favorable to moving money over to Nigeria from here and so the elders have designated our fifth Sunday contribution to be sent over for this big project, and next week, hopefully, maybe during the announcement time, I'll be able to show you a couple of pictures and talk about it more, but I want to ask you to begin thinking about the opportunity that you have on Fifth Sunday to be a part of something that's bigger than us and bigger than right here, be a part of something that will make a big difference to some folks' lives all the way across the world. Um, So, now I want to talk, want to get into my lesson. I want you to, uh, I want to just catch you up for a second. We have been talking about the story of the Bible, and we're in the middle of this series of lessons, I think this is number 7 or 8 in our In our series, and we've been talking about Jesus and the the fact that the Bible has just one story all the way through it, and it's 66 books, but they all tell one primary story. And they, the idea of beginning in the very beginning when man sins is God says, "I'm going to send you a savior." I'm going to send the son or the descendant, the seed of the woman and he's going to crush the head of Satan and all through the Old Testament we find this story that he is on his way. We just finished this section right here where we talked about Jesus being on earth last week. We talked about his birth and his life and his death and the physical things that happened with Jesus Christ. Now we're moving to the period of time where Jesus Christ is here with us today. And guess what? We have got the wrong PowerPoint up here. We've got the wrong PowerPoint, so I'm not going to use PowerPoint this morning, okay? We're just, and I'm going to give this to Yancey because he's going to need to make some changes for the announcements later, okay? Um. I want you to imagine with me just for a moment that instead of being here at church today, you've gone to the movies. You like to go to the movies? Some people say, yeah, I like going to the movies. Oh, people go, I don't care. Let's just imagine you've gone to the movie theater this morning, and you get to the movie theater, and there are a... I mean, it is a packed house. And I don't know where you like to sit. Nowadays, one of the good changes of COVID was the fact that uh, you get to pick your movie seat. And we like to do that. Uh, We like to sit about two-thirds of the way back, right in the middle. So we are about even with the screen and we can hear it all again. I don't know where you like to sit. But let's imagine you're there where you like to sit, Okay. And you begin to look around, and this movie theater, as you look around, you can see that you know everyone on the row you're on. And not only that, you know everyone in the row in front of you, and everyone in the row in front of that, and everyone in the row behind you. And there's all your neighbors. Everyone that lives in your neighborhood is here. And all your relatives and the people you went to school with when you were a kid that you hadn't seen in forever... And you, as you look around, you begin to realize, you know what? Ha! He actually went and found it and got it up there. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? This theater is packed full of everyone that knows you. All of your friends. But not your, just your friends. Do you have enemies? you have people that don't like you very much? They're all here too. They're all here watching this movie. What movie is going to be that popular? What movie... You know what we're going to show? It's going to be the premiere showing of your life. I mean, everything in your life is going to be in this movie. And everyone's come to see it. Okay? We're going to talk about... Everything you've ever done, I say talk about, we're going to watch it. I want you to think about that. Everything you've ever done is about to be up here on this screen. forever. Your parents are going to see it. Your husband or your wife, are going to see it. Your kids, the people that like you and don't like you, Every secret thing you've ever done is going to be up here on this screen. Not only that, we are going to do better than that. We're going to put everything you ever said and we're going to put 50,000 watts of Dolby stereo behind it or THX or whatever the newest. Everything that you ever said. You ever said things you didn't want people to know you said? It's gonna be up here, good and loud. The stuff you said out loud, but the stuff the stuff you said in your car to that other car, <laughs> but also the stuff you grumbled under your breath, the stuff you leaned over just to your spouse or your best friend, and you whispered, all of that's gonna be up there, and everyone's gonna hear it. But we're gonna do even better than that. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna share everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said. And we're also going to show everything you ever thought about. (laughs) What do you think about that? You know those thoughts? Disgusting thoughts you've had? It's all going to be up there. Everything. Now let me ask you a question. This is the movie and everyone's here. Are you going to hang around and take a bow when this thing's over? Are you going to hang around in the lobby and shaking hands with everyone as this is over? I see some honest heads shaking no. I'm out before the credits start rolling. Aren't you? I mean, (laughs) there's going to be a vacant seat where I was sitting. Why? You know why? Because... God knows and you don't want everyone else to know but you know you know everything you've done and you're ashamed of it you're humiliated and you're embarrassed by it so am I we've all committed sin we've committed terrible sin you know well, you think Whew, that's a strange way to start a sermon I don't, I don't think I like this I, uh, I preached this this summer and a lady that I've known for, you know, we were friends when we were little kids, she came up to me after it was over and she said, I don't think I've been that uncomfortable in a church service in my whole life. <laughs> Does it make you uncomfortable? It should. But let me make you just a little more uncomfortable. That's not just an imaginary scenario. Jesus said, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Luke chapter 8 Jesus said, He's got that movie. And there is nothing secret, everything is going to be known. That someday is going to be true. The scenario I played for you, it's not going to be in a movie theater. But we'll be standing before God, and every sin, every thought, every deed, every word that has ever come from you is going to be displayed for all humanity to see. Every secret will come out. You know, we don't just come here because we like each other, although I do like you. That's not the reason we come here, we come here because it matters. We come here because we're going to stand in front of a holy God someday. And the truth is, you've been separated from this holy God by your sin. The Bible tells us, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Sin isn't just a mistake. Sin isn't just some, well, I could have done better. Sin separates you from God. The holy God who created you and gave you life, He despises sin so much that He will have nothing to do with sin or sinners. He is separated. Have you ever prayed to God and just felt like God wasn't hearing you? You know, the Bible says our sin separates us from God so that he will not hear. He will not listen. He doesn't respond to people who are in sin, who are filled with sin. That's the reason Jesus Christ had to come. Your iniquities. It says the wages of sin is death. You all know that my father has cancer right now. Most of you know that. Dad is 80, almost 87 years old. He's got cancer, and we've been praying for him for a long time. He had surgery over a year ago, and it didn't take care of it, and it spread, now he's doing treatment, and I was with him this weekend. He came down for the Men's Leadership Conference, and... Uh, he told me, he said, you know, the doctor was telling me that they're planning to do these treatments for a couple of years. And I said, really? He said, yeah. That's, he said, now listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. He said, I'm, honestly, I'm kind of anxious and eager to find out what it's really all about. He said, but I want you to know that it encourages me that the doctor's talking about a couple of years down the road. But the truth is, the wages of sin is death. None of us are going to escape that. And not just physical death, spiritual death, which is being separated from God. Now that's the reality of what God teaches. And we've all got sin, and so we all are under the death penalty from God for the sin that we've committed. Now the good news and the gospel that we go to preach is this. God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, the love of God, God up here, us down here separated from each other by sin, the sin that we have committed, God loved us so much that while we were down here still sinners, He decided to send His Son for those who are His enemies for people who have been in rebellion against Him. Those who have defied Him. To send His Son for those people. Now, I want you to think about that. We would all do things, maybe even make real sacrifice for one another, wouldn't we? I mean, I have no doubt in my mind I've seen the sacrifice that many of you are willing to make for me. And hopefully you've seen some of that from me. But to make That kind of a sacrifice for people who are your enemies? Who does that? You know, it was mentioned in the prayer, this thing that's going on over in Israel. They're enemies. Hamas is the enemy of Israel. And they launched a surprise unprovoked, or I shouldn't say unprovoked, but it wasn't a response to an immediate stimuli. I mean, they just, a, a, a surprise attack. And I don't know if you've seen the news, but they did horrific things. Their soldiers went in and murdered children and beheaded children and shot women. And I mean, it was not fighting military combatants. It was just wanton, slaughtering civilians. I mean, they're real enemies, right? You know what Israel has said? Now, this is my wording, but basically they said, we're going to make a parking lot out of Gaza. We're going to kill everyone... That's an enemy combatant there. We're going to end Hamas. That's what they said. Why? Because they're our enemies. And we don't deal with our enemies. You know what God said when we were His enemies? You're under a death penalty, but I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die for you. I'm going to send my son to take the place of that sin, to pay the price for that sin. And so God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world, but more importantly to you and I, God loved you. I remember when I was in college, I had a a kid there in the dorms with me and he was a very came from a very devout family and he had a poster that his parents had made for him and it hung on the back of his door and it said for god so loved kevin that he gave his only begotten son that when kevin believes in him kevin should not perish but kevin should have eternal life his kid's name was kevin obviously that's you that sin that you've committed that you don't want me to know about. You don't want your spouse or your kids or your grandparents to know about. God knows about. But He loved you so much that He sent Jesus to pay for that sin. To take the price. To close that gap between God and man. And the Bible tells us that Jesus loved us enough that He was willing to do that. He who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. It wasn't just a choice that God the Father made, but that God the Son. The Bible calls Jesus the one who was slain from the foundation of the world. you know what that means? The foundation of the world. That's when the world was created, Right? This was a plan that God the Father and the Son had when they created the world. That He would come and die on our behalf. And you you know the story. We talked about it last week about Him being in the garden and Him saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. And the fact that He chose then, He could have, just like that, said, Father, send the angels. And it would have been over, we'd all go to hell. But He didn't. Even though He didn't want to, He chose to take your sin. Even though you didn't deserve it, you didn't have a right to it, He chose to take your sin. Now the response of that, when Peter preached this message in Acts chapter 2, the people said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do you think when you hear this message? This message that you're guilty before God and you know you're guilty before God. And that God loved you and sent His Son. What does that make you think? What can I do? Is there anything I can do about this? And the answer is yes, absolutely there's something you can do about this. God loved you. Jesus Christ died for you. But God calls you in response to that to do something. And what that is that you're supposed to do is this. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know what repent means? You've heard it talked about a lot here. But I want to remind you. Repent. Have you repented? Repent means to change your mind about sin. It means to turn away from sin. It means not to keep doing the same stuff you've been doing. Or not to quit, not to not do the stuff you ought to be doing. I mean, it means to change your mind. The word literally means you're going one direction and you stop and you turn around and you go the other direction. And I will tell you this. If your life didn't change, you didn't repent and you're not saved. You're not not a Christian. You're not right with God. It has to make a difference in your life. That's what he told these people. You repent of your sin. That means you hate sin and you choose not to do it anymore. Does that mean you'll be perfect? No. You'll struggle with it. You'll fight against it. But it's a fight and a struggle. We don't just, okay, God loves us. Hallelujah. I can live like I want and be saved. It's, that's not true. That's a lie of American, well, maybe not just American, but modern Christendom, That God loves you and you can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. You'll be saved. Be happy. The truth is, you have to repent and you have to be baptized. I said, "Well, I like you know, I love God and I try to do what He wants me to do, but I I don't want to be baptized." Well, God wants you to be baptized. God requires that of you. I said, "Well, I don't know what water has to do." I tell you what water has to do with it. God said so. God said, repent, be baptized. And if I refuse to do what God has said, how can that be repentance of my choice to serve what I want as opposed to what God wants? It's not repentance if I refuse to do that. And so the choice is to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of our sins. Now, the Bible talks a lot about this. This is what we call salvation, being saved, being born again. There are a lot of terms in the Bible to describe this. But there are a couple of things that I want to mention to you that happen when this occurs, when you repent and are baptized into Jesus Christ. One, the Bible tells us that we are baptized into Jesus Christ. In other words, you're put in Christ, okay? And there's a passage here, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? You were baptized when you are baptized into Jesus Christ. You're put in Jesus Okay, now there's a Bible word for that. That Bible word is justification. And the idea behind that is this. When you're in Christ, is Christ condemned? No. So if you're in Christ, are you condemned? No. Because you're just. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So what that means is this. Jesus Christ took your sin, and you are given credit for the righteousness that is in Jesus. So in other words, you're put inside the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's being just. That's justification. Because when God looks at His perfect, spotless, sinless Son... If you're a part of that, you're perfect, spotless, and sinless. You're righteous in the eyes of God. That's justification. That is something that happens at a moment. It's not a process, but it is a moment, a particular thing. And that moment when this happens is at the moment of baptism. Now, water doesn't save you. The blood of Jesus saves you. But it saves you at that moment that you repent and are baptized and placed into Jesus Christ. But that's not the only thing the Bible tells us happens. It tells us that not only are we placed into Jesus, but Jesus is placed into us. Look at this passage. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Let me ask you, Do you is that true of you? Does Christ live in you? The Bible says when I become a Christian, I'm placed into Christ, but not only am I put into Him, He's put into me. And when Jesus is put into me, that begins to change who I am, how I live, the things I say, the thoughts that I have, because Jesus is living through me. You remember the WWJD bracelets that people wore for you? What would Jesus do? That's the idea. The idea is this. If Jesus is in me and I talk to you, I should respond to you the way Jesus would. When I deal with an argument that I have with my wife, which we don't ever have, right? When I deal with that, I need to deal with that as though. Jesus Christ were married to her and dealing with that argument. When I have a decision or a choice to make about my children or my church or anything else, I need to make the decision that Jesus Christ would make because He lives in me. And I've begun to live the way He wants me to live. And that affects my interactions with everyone around me because the truth be known, Jesus would live differently than I've lived a lot of my life. He would do things differently than I... He would have some different priorities than I've had a lot of my life. Now there's a Bible word for this. That Bible word is sanctification. And that's a little different than justification. Sanctified is, comes from the same root word the word saint comes from you know, like St. Thomas or St. Teresa or St. Michael or something like that. And saint in the Bible is not like some Christian's Hall of Fame. Saint means sanctified. And sanctified means made holy. So this, biblically, is a process. It's not just a bang and it happens. But it's something that grows. You know, as you become like Jesus Christ, the Bible has so many things that it uses, terms it uses. It talks about walking in the light, okay? All of these are terms that describe what it's like to be a Christian. And that is, the longer I'm a Christian, the more like Jesus I should be. So as a Christian who's been a Christian for 10 years, ought to be 10 years worth of like Jesus. But the longer I live that way, the more Jesus is a part of me, the more I should get like Jesus all the time. And I get to where, like Paul said, be ye followers of me even as I am of Christ. And so that process of becoming holy. You know, when I was a little boy, we'd go to church and I would sit next to my mama a lot of times. And uh, especially if I'd been in trouble, I was sitting next to Mama. And my mom, if I got a little squirmy or a little misbehaving in church and was making a bit of a distraction, my mama would grab me by the ear. And she would pull me up next to her. And she would whisper in my ear and she would say, Michael, you act like the young gentleman that you are. Now, I knew what that meant. That meant straighten up. But what she was saying is, you're Jerry McCorkle's son. You need to act like it. You need to act like a young gentleman. Okay? Now, spiritually speaking, that's kind of what Paul's saying here. In the eyes of God, if you're justified, you're holy, righteous, blameless, spotless, sinless. Act like it. Don't keep doing the stuff you were doing before. Make a choice. Make a decision and live that way. Don't just go to church sometimes. But become holy. Be ye holy for I am holy is what God said. Be different than this world. Don't be like everyone else but live your life in this holy and righteous way. And then the ultimate goal of justification and sanctification as they meet together at the end of our lives is being united together forever. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So the picture is this. We've got this movie that has everything in our lives. All our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and that's going to be shown. And I don't, I don't stand ready for that. I don't look forward to that. I don't want that to come out. But the truth is, God's disgusted by your sin just as much as you're ashamed of it. God will punish that sin, but He loves you so much that He said to His Son, You go and I'll punish you for their sin. And so when it comes to that moment for a Christian, that the life that is shown before the judge, the almighty judge, someone who's been justified and sanctified, who lived their lives seeking and serving and following Jesus, God looks and He sees the spotless, blameless life of Jesus Christ. That's the video that's shown of my life. It's the life of Jesus because it's exchanged. And when it comes to show the life of Jesus, the life that's shown that He was punished for are the sins that I've committed. So when we look at that, God loves you, Jesus died for you, this is a message that we ought to be interested in carrying through the whole world. You know, I started, before I started the sermon, I talked about this deal in Nigeria. You know why we go to Nigeria? Because of this. That's the only reason I would go. I don't go to Nigeria for a vacation. This is the only reason I'd go. You have friends and family that need to know this. You need to know this. This needs to make a difference in your life. And I need to. This is the central core of Christianity. And it's what makes us as a people the children of God. It's what makes us as a people different than the world that we're around. So God loved you and gave you His Son. Jesus died for you. Right? You must repent and be baptized. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What's the biggest mass baptism you've ever seen? When I say mass baptism, I mean people who all were baptized at one time, at one service. Think about that. I, uh, I know three or four years ago we had a, I had a meeting down in Houston. And I don't know, Trevor may remember this. I don't know if he was there or not. We had eight or nine baptisms that night, one night. That's about as many. I may have seen ten or twelve in one night before. Three thousand people. Can you imagine? You know why these people came and were baptized? Because they gladly received this word. They were happy to receive the Word that their sins were paid for. That there was a God who loved them and that they did not have to pay the price for their sin. They were happy about that. That mattered to them. They that gladly received His Word were baptized and the same day were added about 3,000 souls. And my last question is what about you? Is there anything you need to do to be right with God? You know, when we teach these series of lessons, I always ask people when we get to this point in the study, what about you? Will you come to Jesus? Will you be right with Him? Do you have something? Maybe you're one that said, yeah, I was baptized, but you know the truth is, you haven't been letting Jesus live in you. You've been doing what you wanted to do. You've been living your life your way. I don't know. Maybe you need to change that today. Maybe you're someone who has never been baptized. You've heard the message. You believe the message. You think it's right or you wouldn't be here, at least kind of right. Wouldn't that be a shame to spend a portion of your life going to church and being with Christian people and yet never being a Christian? Wouldn't that be a shame someday to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and go, yeah, you know, I had it. I could have had it, but I just walked away from it. I just chose to do something different. Have you been baptized? Have you given your life to the Lord? Is there something that you need to fix today? You can be right with God tonight when you lay your head on your pillow. That's a message that we all need. I hope you're right with God. But if you're not, we offer a song of invitation and we would like to help you be right with God if you'll come to the front where we stand and sing.